It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929. Is that still our Solomon Rhodes Diamond text line? Or did it switch over to 404-726-0929? You need to check on that because we hadn't got a memo saying... Check on that for you. Okay. I got you yeah. covered. Text it, uh, text it and see if it pops up, and I'll call you a filthy name. Uh, anyway, uh, Odyssey app, how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 a game. I'm at JMSH316. He is at the D. Lewis for real. Uh, this should I look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. By the way, the Braves are already down 4-1 to one, uh, in this game. So, <sighs> yeah. Um, Jason Hayward homered. In the game. What does that tell you? Jason Hayward homered in the game tonight. Anyway, um, Strider's given up four runs in two innings. So, yeah, not his best start ever. Um, all right. <clears throat> Pro Football Focus has their ranking of all 32 starters for quarterbacks in the NFL this season. All right. When I guess Day Day, who's number one on Pro Football Focus's ranking? And this should be obvious. You said number one. I mean, the, which the number one, is this? The number one quarterback, and they're ranking all, all 32 starting quarterbacks number in the one. NFL. Oh, Pat Mahomes. It's yeah. got to be. Yeah. Holmes, two. I mean, uh, Mahomes, one. Uh, do they got Allen at two, or do they got uh, – They got uh, Allen at two, Burrow with three. Burrow at three, I was going to say. Yep. yep, okay. Herbert at four, Aaron at five, Lamar, six, Hurts, Lawrence, Cousins, Dak ran out the top ten. Um, where do you think that our starting quarterback ranked? I'm going to guess and say, honestly, they should be. Honestly, they could have Strider sitting around 17, 18, honestly. Ritter. I mean, Ritter, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Strider because he's, you know. Uh, What number? 17, 18, honestly. I mean. Yeah, 31st. Um, What? Only Anthony Richardson is behind him. And the one and the one guy who is ahead of him, the the two the actually the three guys ahead, well four guys ahead of him, at twenty seven is Sam Howell, twenty eight is Baker Mayfield, twenty nine is Colt McCoy. So because of Aaron because of um, of uh, Kyler Murray's injury, right. uh, C.J. Stroud is thirty, and then Ritter comes in at thirty one, and Anthony Richardson is the lowest ranked uh, starting quarterback. Quote, there was little we saw from Ritter last season to suggest he will approach even average play at the position. Marcus Mariota played his way to the bench with his performances, and Ritter was simply the young quarterback in line for reps. He posted a 68.5 adjusted completion rate and had two turnover-worthy plays to two, uh, sorry, to three big-time throws. He also recorded just 136 dropbacks, so it would be a stretch to draw any concrete conclusions. You know, I understand. I really do. I just think you have to know Desmond Ritter. I think you know have to. I think you have to know about his moxie. Well, I, I guess because you said Young is ahead of him, uh, or Stroud. Stroud's ahead of him. Colt McCoy, Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, Jordan Love, Bryce Young is at twenty-five. Jimmy G, Brock Purdy, Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, Russell Wilson comes in at twenty. Tannehill at nineteen. Fields at 18, Daniel Jones at 17, Jared Goff at, at 16, Geno Smith at 15. 
and Derek Carr at uh, 14. Then Deshaun, Stafford, Tua, and then you get in the top 10. So I guess they're pretty much kind of basing this. This they're, It's got to be they're just basing it off of what these guys have done. But see, but then, but that. Well, I mean, look, okay, <laughs> let, let's be honest. Who's a better NFL quarterback? Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, or Jared Goff? I mean, aren't those guys all better than, than Desmond Ritter? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Goff has been to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, Matthew Stafford's a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I mean, so I, I'm not I'm not trying to diminish Desmond Ritter. Right, I know. It's just that there are a lot of there guys, are some guys that proven. are there are a lot of guys that are better car. I mean, look, Jimmy G's been the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Brock Purdy's been the NFC title game. I mean, there there are guys. The one that makes me scratch my head is just the rookies. Yeah, that's I, I think that's the ones that got me scratching my yeah, head as well. Yeah, because right? again, we haven't seen anything on those rookies. But obviously, look, if you're the number one draft pick in the NFL, you better be pretty freaking good. Yeah. I mean, you better be you better be really good. You better be you, you better be a top 10 quarterback when, you know, your life is over with. So, they have to, you know, you have to look at those kinds of guys, but um Again, I, I don't think most people are going to have Desmond Ritter very high. And, and I can understand why. I just think that people are underestimating what he's, what his ability is. I think people are underestimating the fact that he can be a good quarterback. All right, um, quickly here. The Falcons were awarded the international marketing rights in Germany. This was announced yesterday by the NFL. So every team had a country that they can start to market to. So... The team is going to start its push to, into serving a quality NFL product to a boomer. What happens if Germany doesn't want the Falcons? Can I ask that question? I mean, I know the Falcons are thrilled, and, and they want to connect with German fans. What if the Germans don't want to connect with the Falcons? What, 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 if, what if they decide, you know what? Um, we want a better franchise than this. We don't want to be affiliated with the Falcons. Sorry. Who are you to tell us that we're supposed to be affiliated with the Atlanta Falcons. Who are you supposed to be that? Anyway, um, I don't know what this whole thing is. It's a global. Look, the NFL wants to be all over the place, right? They want to be a global brand. You know, they want to go to China, you know, and, and be everywhere, even though people run over, people, even though their government runs people over with tanks and stuff like that. Hey, listen, if we can make a buck or two off of putting people in an NFL stadium, then. So be it. All right, Desmond Ritter was on Good Morning Football yesterday. Let's see what he had to say. Um, here's Ritter talking about knowing uh, the Arthur Smith and the Brass have confidence in him being the number one quarterback. You know, it feels good, you know, knowing that, you know, that they have the trust in me, that they've seen the, that I've put in the work and the effort as long as everyone else um, to go out there and lead the team. So, you know, obviously throughout this offseason, you hear all the, the talks and everything, but you know, just knowing from them that they have my full trust and, and respect, um, that they know that I can go out here and lead our team, uh, you know, it means everything to me. Well, look, um, they do trust them, and I, I don't have a problem with that. I I like the fact that they are going to give this kid a shot versus, you know, we were going to dip our toe into the, you know, Lamar Jackson sweepstakes or whatever. You know, all these things that were really never going to happen. So I like the fact that they look. Let's see what we got in him. If he fails, he fails. If he dies, he dies, right? If he fails, he fails. We'll see what we have in him. And if next year you got to go dip in the quarterback pool, then we'll go dip in the quarterback pool. 
but at least you figure out what you have this year in Desmond Ritter. And if he plays well enough to get them to a playoff, okay, maybe we got something. Not saying he's going to be A.A. Ron or Pat Mahomes, but maybe we got something with this kid. All right, here's uh, Ritter talking about uh, drafting Bijan Robinson and how he's going to help him on offense. Yeah, obviously, you know, as an offense, you look for explosive plays and, and get them any way you can, whether that's to Drake, whether that's to Kyle, um, a guy like John New, Matt Collins, it doesn't matter. Uh, but then, you know, when you can just hand the ball off and give it to a guy like Tyler Algier or Bijan or CP um, and let them go, you know, it just makes my job a lot easier. Um, so, you know, when they drafted Bijan, I just knew that, you know, this offense has something to be explosive. Um, you know, we're able to go out there and, you know, whether it's in the run game, pass game, play action, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, we think that we're going to be pretty explosive. Red zone. I don't I, – I'm, I'm okay with saying explosive and all that. Be great in the red zone. More than being, being explosive between the 20s, be great in the red zone. Then I'll have a better feeling. We can get to tw- – what did we talk about several weeks ago? 26 points a game, 67% in the red zone. Touchdown conversion. Let me have those two numbers, and I know we'll be a really good offense. Here's um, Ritter talking about his uh, former teammate, Sauce Gardner. No, we stay in touch, but we know what it is as soon as we hit the field. You know, it's just strap it up and let's go. Um, but, no, you know, that's my good buddy, Ahmad. Uh, you know, we've been through a lot together. Um, and, obviously, you know, we saw we played each other last year in preseason. So, you know, we was talking here and there during practice and everything. Uh, but, no, you know, when the lights come on, you know, it's, it's going to be a phone up there in New York. Yeah, listen, I mean, think about what this Cincinnati program built up there, right? Got Desmond Ritter starting at quarterback. You've got Sauce Gardner, one of the premier corners in the league. Obviously had a really good rookie year. So, um, speaks a lot to what Luke Fickle and them built up there at Cincinnati. All right, here's a Desmond Ritter on um, talking about the explosive. Uh, all, well, didn't we already hear that clip? All right, uh, here's Ritter on Bryce Young. Yeah, obviously he's a great player, um, you know, both on and off the field. He's a great person. Uh, he's just smart, you know. He, he, does, he has the intangibles, and then, you know, you talk about on the field stuff. He's just able to deliver every ball, you know, that there can be. Um, and then, obviously, the way he manages his game is great. And, you know, for us, obviously, we get to see the ch- see each other twice a year. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a fun matchup. Obviously, he's one up on me, so I got to get one back on him. Uh, we'll look to do that first week. Yeah, obviously, you know, remember, Bryce Young and Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati and Alabama played in the, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Desmond Ritter was the quarterback when Georgia when uh, Georgia and Cincinnati played in the Peach Bowl. And then, obviously, Alabama and and uh, uh, Cincinnati were opponents in the national semifinal game, what, two years ago. So, you know, he's, you know, when he joked about being, you know, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Bryce Young is up one nothing on me, that's what he was referring to. The fact that he got him uh, when Desmond was at Cincinnati and Bryce Young was at Alabama. They played each other in the national semifinal game. So, um, but all good stuff. I mean, you know, look, I I hope Desmond Ritter proves a lot of people wrong, and I hope that he's the kind of player that we think he can be. I don't know if he's going to be Pat Mahomes. I don't know if he's going to be Lamar Jackson, A.A. Ron, whatever. I don't know if he's going to be that level of quarterback, but I don't think that he has to be that level of quarterback. I don't think he has to be the most dominant player on the field for us to be able to win. We got a lot of really good offensive personnel. We can find a way to capitalize on it. 
and be good, you know, not good, great in the red zone and score 60% of our possessions, score touchdowns on, okay, then then we got something. Then, then I've got a quarterback that doesn't turn it over in the red zone, scores a lot of touchdowns. You'll win a lot of games for all of that. You'll, you'll be in and win a lot of games if you can do those things. All right, when we get back, who's this? Who, who are we uh, hearing from? Who is it? James Palmer. James Palmer. Arnold Palmer, <laughs> the legendary golfer. Is that him? I'm the wrong guy. Oh, okay. All right. James Palmer up next. Chuck in the Key Studios. Sports written out to the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game, back at a Chuckery show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday night. Uh, has not been really good uh, for the Braves uh, thus far. 4-1, um, to one, they are down. Um, they're through three innings. So, Strider, three innings, four runs, four hits. Uh, two of them earned. Uh, there was an error by Olsen. Shocking. Um Three walks, seven strikeouts, and a homer. So all the things he normally doesn't do that we talked about, right? Bragging about not giving up a lot of hits, not giving a lot of walks, not getting the long ball. Everything that we brought up about him has crapped out tonight, has just come up craps. (sighs) Anyway, all right, James Palmer from uh, NFL Network joined uh, Dukes and Bell a little bit earlier on today, and the guys asked him about the idea of maybe the Falcons being – underrated coming off of the draft and all their free agent moves. Draft, the free agency, I I really think what maybe nationally people don't understand that that ties all this together is the coaching staff. I mean, I I don't know if people understand kind of how Arthur is respected as a play Mm. designer uh, around the league. I mean, he is very well respected. You know, what were the best things you can do considering where the Falcons stood in terms of dead money? and where they stood in terms of their roster the last few seasons. Like, in my opinion, won every game they should have won. And, you know, now you start getting that group, that starts that, that starts increasing, right? The, the last thing you want is to have a staff that doesn't prepare you and you don't win the games you're supposed to win. They win every game they're supposed to win. They just didn't have the talent and they had the issues in terms of cap. Now that you're getting more talented in these things, I, I think Arthur and his staff really – are much better than people think. And when you put your team in position to, to win all the games you're supposed to and then win the ones that, you know, are, are going to be in now with a better roster, I think Arthur is a big reason why we should be excited about the Falcons. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, I know that's Mike. That's how Mike and I feel. Uh, and we've had right. this conversation. Uh, and maybe we're too close to it. You know, to have the conversations we've had with Arthur Smith behind closed doors and to talk to him, get a feel for what he's truly thinking about this stuff. One thing when you don't have the talent, mm-hmm. James, you know this, when you don't have the players mm-hmm. or the horses 
You can talk about it all you want. That's what the Falcons lacked. And now they went out and spent all this money, and then you're drafting now who you feel like fits your system. I totally agree with you. I think he's win with less. And I always said this. What happens when he gets more? Yep. Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, and, and when you're always when you're when you're building your roster the way Arthur does, which is let's be honest, just a little bit different than the way some other teams value talent. What is the middle of the field and the value size? Mm-hmm. Right? You can tell by when all those receivers were coming out and they had the first crack at them to go Drake two years ago. They value size and they value versatility and they value the run game probably more than some of the way the other, these other teams are built. I, you go back to when he was calling plays in Nashville, which I, Vrabel was, is a big reason for the success. Mike Vrabel's a very, very good football coach and a great head coach. But what Arthur Smith was able to do with Ryan Tannehill and repeatedly win the division, obviously as Derrick Henry. And then you go and look at the way he's building this team now and this roster now. Like, when I heard about his he had with B. John Robinson, I was like, the Falcons are taking B. John Robinson. <laughs> like, yep. like, when I heard about that, it was about a month before the draft. He went out to Texas. He won, and he his mind just started going. Like Arthur just started going. I can put him here. I can move him here. He can. He can. Most of that workout, guys, was working out Bijan as a pass catcher. I mean, Arthur was like, I know he can run the ball, right? So he was like, let me see where I can put him on the field. These different spots I can I can put him in. And now you look like everybody's saying, well, they'll throw the ball a little bit more. Well, obviously they weren't going to throw the ball last year with with right. Mark. Beck. Now you have the ability, even when you say throw it a little bit more, there's still going to be a run first team. But now you just have the ability to find mismatches all over the field, which is what Arthur's great at, by not changing personnel because your guys can line up pretty much anywhere. Right. And I think that's going to be what I'm excited about, and I know what Arthur's really good at is is putting these guys in different spots and not having to sub or, ch- or change personnel and put defenses in a bind, and that's what you have to do in this league. It is a James Palmer guy from NFL Network here on the WadeFord.com thing because he was injured last year James is uh, Kyle Pitts and if Kyle Pitts can come back mm-hmm. and benefit to what you're talking about the 22 personnel having two tight ends although technically he's a quasi wide receiver mm-hmm. creates all sorts of mismatches exactly you, know, you can do things who knows Johnny Smith better than Arthur right that's when he's had his most success when he when he played with Arthur and, and now you can put him <laughs> in the backfield then you can put him in then in, in motion him and then you can put Kyle much any other spot you'd like you can put Bijan in any spot you'd like you can put CP in pretty much a variety of spots I think he's going to be interesting to see maybe down near the goal line he just has such, such a nose for the for the end zone and, and that low red zone stuff it just seems like they have the ability to just go and I, I think Desmond is smart I really do as a quarterback and I think talent wise is he in that upper echelon probably not but if he looks out there and goes I have Kyle out here wide and who's on him and I have uh I, and, and I have Drake London out on the other side, and now the middle of the field is wide open. No, no linebackers staying with Bijan Robinson if you put him in the slot. Like, all right, find, find my mismatch. And because of how they're, I think they're going to have those mismatches. We're talking with James Palmer, guys, NFL Network reporter. We love his work. He does uh, great stuff. And, and if you get a chance to check him out, make sure you do. James, let's talk about Roger Goodell real quick. Mike and I were saying this. The owners apparently yeah. are going to give him an extension. Obviously, nothing is finalized. But Goodell 64, he says, I love my job. Mike and I are very critical about Roger Goodell and some of the things that have happened um, over the years, even though I think his job has gotten a lot easier because, as I said, he insulated himself and from, delegates now. from a lot of this, yeah. this, this yeah. stuff that harmed him earlier in, in his, his regime. But how do you view Roger Goodell? I mean, we see him, right, in the, bring on the booze at the draft, and he embraces all of this <laughs> stuff, right? And then you sit on the league, dapping him up and hugging him, and, and then you go, well, wait a minute. Is he really liked as much as we think he is? 
Well, everybody's making a lot of money right now. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I don't think the owners are all that upset with which what you look what's happened financially over the last, you know, couple of years with the gambling deals that have done what what does the league have? 6 uh, gambling partnerships right now with the TV rights deals, with everything that just happened with NFL Red Zone, uh, going to Apple and YouTube TV, paying for what they did for Sunday Ticket. Um, everybody's making as, about as much money as you can make in, in a professional sports league. I mean, it's, it's almost unprecedented, really, what, what they're hauling in now in terms of the popularity of the NFL. Um, obviously, there are always going to be qualms because there is a lot going on. And, and it is, like you said, his job's easier. I do think the one thing that, that him and, the, and, and everybody at 345 Park has to keep an eye on is what we saw with these suspensions in the offseason with the Lions and everything in terms of gambling. And he addressed that a little bit today uh, at the meetings in, in the spot that they are in as a league. And that's, that's really the one giant thing they're going to have to get, overcome, that and – some of these rule changes in terms of safety. Uh, outside of that, you're right. It, 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 it probably has gotten a little bit easier. But as of right now, I mean, everybody's making a boatload of cash. Uh, and I think uh, that keeps a lot, of people, a lot of people happy. And if that's happening, change doesn't seem like something you encourage uh, if you're an owner. No, like he gets paid the big bucks, James, to draw the fire. And like any CEO for a successful company, they're making the big bucks. He, he reaps the benefits. James Palmer from NFL Networks with us. I want to go around the division real quick. We already talked about the Falcons. And obviously the Saints are getting a little more respect because people know Derek Carr. Whatever he is, he's a bigger brand than Ritter. What do you think the Saints are going to do this year? Uh, you know, I liked the Saints actually a little bit last year. Um, and, and I think things are definitely different there without Sean Payton. They are. And that's, that's an offensive mind that just, I don't care who you bring in, that's not really replaceable um, in terms of what he can scheme up and what he can do. I think Derek's a really good, really good player. I think the start of the season is important for them, what happens. I think, I think drafting a back was important because the, the certainty of, of Alvin Kamara is kind of up in the air with the suspension possibly looming. I think the most important guy to watch with the Saints this offseason, to me, during OTAs, during minicamp, is Michael Thomas. Like, at one point, the best receiver, considered the best receiver in, in football possibly. He was playing with Drew Brees. He's had the injuries now. He's been out for, what, like roughly almost three years now? Right. What does Michael Thomas bring to them? I think Chris Olave is a really, really good player, had a really good rookie season. I think these pieces around Derek Carr are, are better than what he's had, in all honesty. But I think the defense is talented but old. I think that's a part that we're going to keep an eye on because all of a sudden you look at a couple of those key guys on that defense, especially down the middle of that defense, are getting older and an injury or two that lingers longer than it would have a few years ago could hurt them defensively. But I think they're still pretty pretty talented team on paper. I'm just curious, like I said, on paper, because of Michael Thomas, because of the age of some guys, and because it's a new quarterback coming in, there's some continuity there, but then there's a lot there's a lot you have to get answered this offseason. Well, it's going to be uh, an interesting offseason, to say the least. Now that everything is settled down, you kind of know what these teams look like. Um, and everybody knows, you know, what, what they got coming to camp, at least right now. And what is the toughest division, in your opinion? We talk a lot about our division. We were talking about the quarterbacks in it. What's the toughest division, in your opinion? Man, I, you know, the, 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 the sexy pick right now that everybody's kind of going with, uh, obviously, is the AFC East, right? I mean, the Dolphins took a big jump, the Bills are there, and now Aaron Rodgers is in the division. I mean, obviously, everybody takes – takes a look at that division and goes, man, like that that's the one I want to watch. Um, but sneakily, like, <laughs> I think the AFC North can be really tough this year. Um, if Deshaun Watson starts playing like the way we saw him play before all of this happened uh, in the lengthy time that he was away from football, 
Cleveland's good. I think Joe Burrow is absolutely out of this world. And then with Lamar coming back with the weapons that he got added. Um, and then Pittsburgh actually played well down the stretch. Um, so I, I do think that's the division that I'm, I'm excited to spend some time in, honestly. Um, but I do know everybody's kind of looking at the East as kind of the sexy move now with right. the way the Dolphins played uh, when Tua was healthy and then Aaron Rodgers and obviously the Bills are great. So I think those are the two, but I just think, I think people are sleeping on the, the North a little bit just because of the small sample size we had from, from, from Deshaun uh, in his return that maybe people started question Cleveland a little bit. And I know, James, uh, they're going to be following Aaron Rodgers. They're, again, they're, they're, they're focused on his calf right now up in New York because Aaron Rodgers is missing some, oh, some work. But, it was mayhem today but, in New York. But yeah. are you buying it? I mean, we, we were saying, I mean, look, we know what his, rep, his resume is, but at crunch time the last two seasons, he hasn't had it. Will he have it with the Jets? That's, that's what we're all wondering, right? I mean, like, it, it's funny. We've seen these unbelievable regular seasons. I've covered games in Lambeau. I was there when the Bucks beat him in, in, the, in the championship game. And, and does he have now the ability with, with more talent than probably he's ever had? I just say talent, right, at the skill positions um, than he's really ever had. But there's still some other things that need to be, need to be answered. I, I, I think he's still incredible. I talked to some of their coaches last week about what they've seen from him. And they've seen – a different guy than what was playing at the end of green Bay. When I say that, I mean, like he didn't show up for those two rookie receivers last year in the off season. He wasn't there for Dobbs and, and Christian Watson. And people are curious what those guys would have been like at the start of the season. If he would have spent the off season with those, with, with both those young guys, remember both those guys came on late. They had really slow starts and there's a lot of funny people around the league. They're like, it's because Aaron wasn't there. Right now, he's there with everybody, and, and there's kind of a different vibe with him, and he's back with Hackett, which I know it didn't go well in Denver, but those two together are, are really, really close in terms of how they build things and how they see things football-wise. Now, he's got to make sure, yeah, in the biggest moments, you, you can make the biggest plays, um, and in the AFC now, <laughs> it's almost like, hey, man, like your question, like, will he be able to do it? Well, now you're going to have to do it, like, multiple times during the regular season <laughs> and multiple times throughout the playoffs – um, because of how the AFC is built. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge gamble they made, but everybody's looking at, like, you know, the Bucks did it with Brady, and they got a Super Bowl out of it. I mean, they're mm. screwed financially for the next forever. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, they got, but they got the ring. Yeah, and that's all that matters. By the way, what you get, man? New bathroom? What are you doing in yeah, the house? What's going on? What are you doing? No, listen to this, guys. Uh, we're getting – this is a huge lawsuit issue, uh, you know, that we're going through here with the out exterior of all of our homes. Like 150 homes all getting the exterior of their homes ripped off because people had, like, mushrooms growing in their walls because oh, of how the stucco was installed. Oh. So this has been going on, no lie, for nine months I've had no exterior. Wow. Oh, dude. And oh, talk about, you know, kids not being able to decorate for Halloween – for Christmas, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's been a nightmare. My wife is ready to like move every other day. She's like, "We're out of here. We're out of here." But uh, <laughs> it's going up right now. Of course, so we're finally getting a, we're finally getting a home. Can't sell yeah. it because it's kind of a fixer up right now. <laughs> oh yeah, like I'm not. Like, what do you put a for sale sign out right now in front of this? They're like, I'm like, I swear, there's an end date to this. No, yeah. Well, oh, hang in there, brother. That's great, James. Yeah. We appreciate, <laughs> appreciate you. It. It's Chuck Reed in the Key Studios, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app.
Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Back at it, Chuck Show, hanging out in the Kia Studios with you on this Tuesday evening. 404-741-0929. We did confirm, right, that that the text, the, the old text line is, is working, right? 404-741-0929. Yep, it's still active. Okay, so that one rings through. So there you go. You can uh, text away on the uh, the show. Um. Not been listen. Strider's kind of hung in there, but Braves are still down four to one. This game's only in the uh, end of the fourth inning. It feels like this game's been playing for a while now. But um, uh, Braves are down four to one. Strider has he's now up to four innings pitched, four hits, four earned runs, two earned, three walks, eight strikeouts, and a homer given up. As Jason Hayward of all people. Homered uh, off of uh, Spencer Strider. So, again, it was Freddie last night. It was Jason Hayward tonight. Can we not see any more ex-Braves for a while? Can can we slow down on the ex-Braves players for a while? So, not been a good couple of nights um, for the good guys against um, the bad guys. And um, Strider's ERA now up to 307. So, I'm guessing he's probably going to try to hang in there through five innings. He's got 78 pitches through four. So that's not bad. That's not that's not a ridiculous amount of pitches, but um, uh, unfortunately, right now, unless unless they um, unless they come back in this game pretty quickly, he's set to be the loser, or at best, maybe a no decision uh, in all of it. So, and look, this kid that they called up for the Dodgers, he's been solid. Four innings, four hits, one earned run, one walk, three strikeouts. Riley's got the uh, RBI. It was a two-out RBI. Um, he knocked in uh, – who did he knock in? Uh, buh, 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 buh. Sean Murphy. So, Riley had the uh, – Riley had a double. He knocked in uh, Sean Murphy, and uh, Braves are still down 4-1. to one. So, we'll keep you up to date about what goes on here and see if Strider can get, uh, get some things going. But uh, I guess I would imagine that he's only going to pitch one more inning. He'll, he'll get through five – probably be at somewhere around close to 100 pitches and probably have about 10 strikeouts for it. But he was kind of beat around a little bit uh, earlier in the uh, the contest. So we'll we'll keep you up to date with uh, all of that. And uh, there is NBA action uh, tonight. I didn't even see if the uh, the game is uh, – It's on now. Is it on now? Okay. Yeah. So um, Celtics and uh, Miami Heat. Is, um, the Heat are uh, up 3 to nothing in the series. So – Early in the game, 12-12 uh, thus far. So Jimmy Butler's got five uh, already, five of the first 12 points for the Miami Heat. But Celtics obviously looking to get swept. Um, and obviously, you know, they – I don't think that they – I don't think – I think the finals are set in stone, like as far as the date goes. Yeah, I think it's June 1st, I think, was the date that I think I, it was, something like that. But, I mean, yeah. if, if these two series sweep – I know it's going to be nine – after last night for Utah, it was – I mean, for Denver, it was nine days. Yeah. So, I mean, they're not they're not going to speed this thing up. Yeah. Like, they're not going to start the series early if if the Miami Heat sweep. It's it's yeah. the time frame that the networks have and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it's set in stone as far as when – when the NBA Finals are going to start, they're yeah. just not going to start changing things around. No. So, but it will be the Miami Heat and Denver Nuggets. And I got to be honest with you, I I did not see if I if you'd have told me at the start of the season it would have been the Heat and the Nuggets, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But here's Jimmy Butler trying to 
wrap this series up. Obviously, Joker, who's been uh, the MVP two of the last three years, including back-to-back years. Um, obviously, he's in his first NBA Finals. So I, I would guess the networks wouldn't be thrilled with Miami Heat and Yeah, you know, they probably aren't. But I was thinking about it last night after Denver um, got in, and I said to myself, I was like, you know, it's kind of – You said self? Self. I said self. (laughs) Um, But, no, it's kind of cool, and I think ultimately it's good for the NBA that, you know, you had a small market Milwaukee win it a couple of seasons. Right. Now you got a small market in Denver, you know, winning – possibly winning it this year. I think – Well, I – I don't know that Denver's a small market. I mean, they, they I understand what your point is yeah. in the NBA terms, but I don't think Denver's that small of a market. No, I mean, but it's not, you know what I mean? It's not even near Atlanta, you know? Um, like, I want to say Denver, what is Denver? Probably like 15, 20? Yeah, they say that it's about three million with the metro yeah, population. So, um I was trying to see where that's a beautiful foot. city though. I love it. Yeah, have you been there? Oh yeah, my wife's from Denver. So oh okay. Yeah, yeah. All so, right. Beautiful place. So she got family out there then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. My, one set of my in laws still live out there. As a matter of fact they were in town this weekend because you know school's ending. We had fifth grade graduation and all that good stuff. But um you know I just I for from nineteenth in nineteenth uh, yeah so, so not it's mid what is it? I guess that would be kind of a mid Mid-sized market. Yeah, I was just trying to see what uh, um, uh, Denver. So Denver's like 19th. So, yeah, yeah, I guess they're a mid-market. Doesn't feel like Denver's that that small of a city. But I I get what your point is, though. I mean, it's even in NBA NBA terms, it's not Philly, Boston, New York, right? right? L.A., Chicago. I mean, it's not. It's not one of those kinds of markets, right. uh, big, whatever like that. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it's, you know, certainly the networks would have loved to have Boston and the exactly. Lakers. Exactly, right. Right? That would have been their dream scenario when you pick the NBA Finals. Hey, right. Boston and New York, that's going to be our two. Well, that didn't work itself out, so now you got Miami. And Miami's obviously a very populated city. Yeah. I mean, Miami's yeah. a, big, a big area. Um, the only problem is with Miami is that it's you know it's landlocked. I mean it's yeah you can't expand out in the ocean you know right. so you gotta <laughs> you know you gotta go different places. But um, um, so anyway, um, it 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 will make for an interesting finals. I mean look the basketball should be pretty good. I think yeah. Miami and Denver is a good basketball series. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's good from an on the court perspective. Right, just don't know if it captures the imagination that you know even LeBron and Cleveland against the Golden State Warriors. I don't know if it captures that kind of imagination. Yeah. Well, and to, you know, I mean, you got to think about it. Most people don't know much about Denver. Right. You know what I mean? Because especially if you're on the East Coast, like. Yeah, I think think you've heard of Joker because he's won two MVPs, right? right? But outside of that, Mm -hmm. you know, the average NBA fan that doesn't stay up late past 10 p.m. to watch NBA games, they don't know much about the team. Do I have to stay up past 10 (laughs) o'clock? Sorry. Anyway, all right, speaking of uh, not staying up, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. All right, I do feel bad about this guy, Glenn Kuyper, who is the former play-by-play announcer 
for the Oakland A's. Now, I say former because he's been with the Oakland A's organization since 2004, and he took over in 2006 as the play-by-play guy, and he was doing sideline or dugout reporting and, and all that good kind of stuff. Well, on Monday, um, or no, I should say um, on Friday, on last Friday's game, May 5th, or whatever that was, um, they were calling a game against the Kansas City Royals. So his broadcast partner is Dallas Braden, right? So his pa- his partner is Dallas Braden. Glenn Kuyper is the play-by-play guy. They were doing a game in Kansas City, and they talked about the idea in the pregame show that they had visited the Negro League Museum earlier in the day, right? They had visited they had visited the Negro League Museum in Kansas City earlier that day. Well, instead of saying league, he said the N-word. Now, okay. I I understand it was a mistake, right? I don't and I don't think Glenn Kuyper is a racist. Let me, let me say it in my Neil Bortz voice. I don't think Glenn Kuyper is racist. I don't think he's any of those things. But that word was pretty free and loose on his lips, describing that. And if you were truly embracing it the way he said, because um, that he put on Twitter, on the day that I chose to spend my personal time by educating myself and learning more about MLB's history by going to the Negro League Museum, I spent nearly three hours there in an effort to better understand and more deeply appreciate the difficulties and social barriers African-American players endured in M years. When this museum visit came up in the pregame show, I was excited and eager to share what I had done and seen that day. In my excitement, I rushed through the word Negro, resulting in my very unfortunate mispronunciation. Okay. While I get all... How do you mess that word up? I, I, I got to tell you. How do you mess that word up? Uh, unless that's a word that you've thought about, you have it on your lips, you've used it. And again, I'm not saying that this guy's a racist and he needs to be, you know, boiled in hot oil and have, have his, uh, you know, fat melted down for soap. I, I don't think it's any of that kind of stuff. But it, when when these guys all of a sudden use this, and look, that's one of those things you're not going to bounce back from. I mean, while I appreciate the fact that, well, I had 20 years of the Oakland A's. Okay, but you can't bounce back from that. Because if, if if you've used that word once for something innocuous to the Negro League Museum, what do you think he says in his social circles? What, what, do, you, what do you think he says? in a, Because you use that word at the tip of your lips unless you're using it. So I understand that maybe it wasn't fair or what have you kind of stuff. Uh, okay, though. You know, you know when you get into broadcasting and things like that, that there are certain things you make. And obviously, I would guarantee you, I would be willing to guarantee, if you threw the Wonder Woman lasso of truth around him, this has probably been said before. He's probably used this word before. Because if that's the first thing that he thought of, when he was thinking about the Negro League, you know, Hall of Fame and Museum. And look, 
I would love to go to the Negro League Museum. I, I am very fascinated by the Negro Leagues in general. And I know I know a lot about their players and stuff like that. I I um uh, um I read it one time and, and I just kind of breezed through it, but uh what's the book? Only the ball was white. I think I think that's the name of the book, right? That that's the name of the book on the on the kind of story about the Negro Leagues, right? Isn't it isn't it called Yeah, that's only, it. Only yeah, the ball was only the ball was white. Yeah. And uh is that Foster? Robert uh Peterson. Okay. So I think Rube Foster also wrote a book about the Negro Leagues. Um so he was a pitcher in the Negro Leagues and um he kind of did some things behind the scenes for Major League Baseball and stuff like that in the early years of of you know integration and all that good stuff. But I I while I understand what his point is and I understand it was an honest mistake and I understand he's not a racist and all this good kind of stuff, that word is that word should not have been the first thing on your mind. That that word should not have been the first thing that came out of your mouth when you said, you know, when you were describing where you went. That that word that word's on his lips. And again, miss me with the whole on the day I chose to spend my personal time educating myself. Then how would you, if you were trying to educate yourself, and you were trying to better understand, then why would that be the first word you said out of your mouth? Right? Tell me I'm wrong, Day Day. No, no, no. You're right. You're you're right. I mean, again, it flowed. It flowed. Yeah, and I didn't listen to the video clip. I didn't. I didn't listen to it. Um, but you, you can't tell me about how you were trying to learn about the barriers that were broken down and educating yourself and social barriers and all this kind of stuff, and then just spout out the N word. Like it just. <laughs> and, and again, I I I, I understand. I understand, and, and I, I look at I look at the Negro League Museum and say, okay, um, that that shouldn't have been hard to come right off your lips with, because that's where you were earlier in the day, and you spent three hours right in the place, right, and the first thing out of your mouth is bop bada boop, right? I, I mean. That it seems seems like it's pretty clear cut and dry. So, while I feel for the guy, I don't really feel for the guy when all is said and done. So anyway, that's what's bugging Chuck Reed. All right, coming back for the top of the hour, we're going to ask you a Falcons question: Who is primed to make that McGarry leap for the Falcons in 2023? Who's primed to make that McGarry leap for the Falcons in 2023? Four zero four seven two six. 0929 is our phone line. Jump on the phones. We'll take your thoughts. Who's primed to make that McGarry leap this year for the Falcons? Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, now to the game, honestly.com app.